0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. I was 18 years of age when I got introduced to the Australian workforce. Uh, I'd just graduated from Applecross High School in Perth. I was 18 years of age. I hate to, had to to repeat a year because I wasn't used to the coed system. I uh, hadn't been that close to a girl before. Coming from Sydney, Punchbowl Boys High. Uh, so I was 18 and I'd responded to an ad in the paper for a career in commerce and I was, a, I was starting on this first day as a commercial cadet for BP Australia and uh, I got uh, appointed to their what they call their property and legal department which was a great way to start, gave me a tremendous overview into the life of that, uh, of that great company which is still a great company. So I, was, I remember quite vividly noticing the differences between high school and the work environment. I'd hung out at high school with a pretty good bunch of guys, um, and guys using that term generically, um, and going to work was a bit of a shock. Uh, The the language was much stronger as in in terms of profanity and what we used to call bad language. That was really strong. I remember that. I also remember that uh, somebody mentioned about the dirty talk like the dirty stories were really a lot dirtier at, at work and, and like I wasn't working with a like a, a, a I mean it was just regular guys in this section but that was uh, something I really noticed like the sexism was much more pronounced the comments that were made about the women who worked in our division were much more graphic and much more demeaning than what I've been used to in high school and uh, the drinking culture was very very deeply ingrained so and of course the range of human problems that were discussed at morning tea time and at lunchtime gave me a a, a rapid entry into the complexity of human life the stuff that these guys most of whom were much older than me that's the point I should have made my boss was about um, I suppose 30 years older than me and the guy who worked next to me was uh, coming up to retirement uh, he was one of those guys, by the way. He was real old school, old union man. And he would read the paper until exactly nine o'clock. And he'd look up the clock and he'd neatly fold the West Australian. And that marked the beginning of the work day. He would look five minutes before the morning tea break to get ready for that experience. And then would <laughs> sort of ceremonially put his pen down. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah? Five minutes to five, the countdown would start. And we'd start to assemble all the gear So that at five o'clock, wham, he was out like a bullet. Now, uh, Neil was an interesting guy. He was a main contributor to some of these things, I might add. So the (laughs) rain, he was a wild guy. So look, you know, the sort of problems people talk about intimately about their sexual problems and their marital problems and their family problems. And this was all pretty new for me. I'm sure some of you can identify this if you've recently started in the workforce. Look, at 18, I was a pretty enthusiastic Christian. I I really was. I was uh, involved in a group. We used to sometimes go street witnessing in in, in the Hay Street Mall in Perth, which was... uh, not for the faint-hearted. I was never in the front row, but I was there. I was praying along in the back row, hoping none of my friends would see me. Um, (laughs) But I I was part of a very strong evangelical church. I mean, I really wanted to be God's man. I really did. I didn't know at that stage I was going to be a minister, but I really wanted to be God's man. And I was part of a dynamic youth group and a very, very vibrant church there at South Perth, Church of Christ. So I was determined to stand firm for my beliefs to stand firm for what I knew Jesus Christ would want me to do. I've got to tell you, it wasn't easy. okay. And I can identify with the stuff that's been said about the, the churchy and the perfect Christian and all that. sort of. I went through all of that and some. And I wish we'd had a series like this one when I started out in work at 18 in BP Australia in Perth because I would have received great encouragement. We didn't talk about work in those days. We talked about the... The, uh, the figure in Daniel and the return of Jesus and uh, what Revelation was all about. They were the main topics in our church. We didn't talk about the practical things day to day, which as an aside, by the way, is why I never brought a friend to my church in all those years. Unlike some of you who bring friends all the time because you know they're not going to be embarrassed. You know they're not going to be hit over the head with the Bible in an unpleasant or negative way. I didn't have that, unfortunately, in those years back in Perth. That's another story. But I wish we'd had a series like this because... It would have provided me with a lot of inspiration and a lot of encouragement. I know that because I would have been made aware of the fact that, and this is in this week's study, followers of Jesus are motivated by different virtues. That's the first thing in life and in the workforce. I mean, the main virtue that summarizes all of the great teachings of Jesus is self-giving love. The Bible calls it in the original language agape love, a self-giving love that 's characteristic of of the christian faith that 's the love in which in which we say, I love you not because I like you, I love you not because I need you, I love you because you or rather you need me that 's a self giving love we see in the life of jesus christ that 's what 's supposed to motivate us that 's the virtue that that motivates us. Here's the thing also, followers of Jesus are lifted by a different view of humanity. I mean, people are not to be exploited. That's the Christian's perspective. People are not just pawns on the corporate and industrial chessboard to be moved around mercilessly in pursuit of of profits. That's not the way it's meant to be done if you're a Christian. Christians believe that people everywhere are people of worth and dignity with incredible intrinsic value and much more eternal value that's what we believe as christians followers of jesus are guided by a different source of wisdom we are not guided by worldly wisdom which sometimes figures in business like do others before they do you and uh whatever it takes whatever it takes just just do it and get the business whatever it takes sell your soul if you have to that can be the kind of thinking in some forms of business. No, no, we, have, we, we follow a Jesus who said it's more blessed to give than receive. We follow a Jesus who said that uh, you know, those who save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Now, this can put us in sharp conflict with some, not all, with some of the current thinking that's out there in corporate and in business life. Also, followers of of Jesus are responding to a different audience. And Sam took us through this one uh, either last week or the week before in a very brilliant way. I mean, we're not just working to please the boss. We're not just working to please our colleagues. We are working primarily for an audience of one. God, our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, is the one ultimately whom we are working for. We're working to a very different audience to what most people are working for if they're not in tune with the life-changing message of Jesus. So given all of this as a background, here's another question, which you don't have to answer, by the way, not not verbally. What will be different about the way we act at work? If all of this is the backdrop to being a Christian in the workplace, different virtues, different audience, what will be the difference in the way we, we, we act at work? What, if anything, will distinguish us from the others? And let me say this. It's not as obvious as you might think. It's not as obvious as you might think. I mean, some of you are thinking merely of external behavior. Oh, we should be the ones who are really punctual, really courteous, really honest, really loyal. I think that's a given in a work situation. Christians haven't got exclusive rights to those things. No way. And they're sort of, they're givens that any employer should be able to expect from the people whom they are paying to do a job. So that's not where the difference lies. Certainly we as Christians, I mean, we we can and we should be leading the way in these areas. I mean, we shouldn't be tardy. We shouldn't be slack in these areas. But that's not the point of distinction. Because you work with people as I've worked with people who really shine in these areas and they're out and out atheists. I mean, that, that's not the point of distinction our point of distinction is at a much deeper level and guys I would put it to us that the clue is in what Jesus said in that reading and I'm thinking particularly of Matthew 5 verse 16 your light must shine before people so they will see the good things you do and praise your father in heaven now here's the rub What's expected of us at work as Christians is no different to what's expected of us in all areas of our life. We're meant to shine as lights. And so in that sense, the work situation just becomes an extension, a natural extension of life as it is in general if we're living in Jesus Christ. Our primary aim is to help people see the love of God as expressed through Jesus Christ. Now, how we do that is where effectiveness as a Christian comes in. You don't do that by getting up on the desk and start preaching. But that's the ultimate aim. The ultimate aim is to help people in your workplace and in every area of life, the places where you buy coffee, the places where you hang out, the places where you buy dinner, the places where you buy petrol. Wherever you've got a relationship, an ongoing relationship, the idea is to help people see something of God's love and grace and justice and forgiveness through your life so that when they find out you're a Christian, they're not going to be surprised. They're not going to see any disconnect. We are bearers of the light of God's love and we are commissioned by Jesus himself to ensure that light is held high and to make sure that it's shining brightly. I mean, when we enter the work environment, The Holy Spirit doesn't say, okay, listen, I'll I'll see you uh, next Sunday. I know the environment you're going into, it's very hostile. And uh, I know you'll have to compromise heaps and you'll probably get a bit embarrassed if I hang around too long. So look, you know, I'll see you at Connection Group, maybe. And then certainly next Sunday. I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't act like that. It's crazy to even think that way. I think some Christians, though, I think some Christians inadvertently do act as though that's the case. That in some way we sort of blend in and, you know, don't be too, let's not be too distinctive out there. They get caught up in some of the less than desirable aspects of Aussie work culture. And there are some less than desirable aspects of Aussie work culture. Like rock up when you feel like it and rock off when you feel like it. Like dipping into the work stationery, Like, you know... um, Heading off at a, without any thought of giving word as to where you're heading and driving bosses crazy, wondering where you are. Using the computer and the phone to uh, maintain your private life. like Everybody does that. That's, that's, you know, that's part of the Aussie culture. Well, that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that bosses get pretty irritated about. And it need not be part of the Aussie work culture for somebody who's really trying to make a difference for Jesus. These are practical behaviours where we can shine. We need to shine as Christians. One of my sources, by the way, of motivation, and some of you know this, one of my sources of motivation to work as hard as I do in ministry is because I'm aware of so many of you who do what you do for God totally outside of your work environment. You make the calls outside of your work environment. You send the emails outside of your work environment you rock up to our meetings, you serve, you go to connection group, you serve in your, in our various avenues of ministry. And I admire you for that. And I want my voluntary component, as it were, in my work to be as high as any of you. Because I get inspired by the way so many of you come off a very busy work day to step into another very busy night or weekend or whatever it is. We on the ministry team, that does not go unnoticed. And we thank and praise God for you guys every day who are in that sort of Mode, because it's all voluntary and we try to build that component into our own work as well I'm I'm getting paid to do this work I'm getting paid by you and that really gives me a heightened level of responsibility and accountability always has in ministry but now back to allowing our light to shine you see the big difference between turning on a lamp and shining a torch in somebody's face there's a big difference between turning on a lamp to illuminate a room and running around a darkened room with a torch and shining into people's faces. Let me give you an illustration. Let me tell you a bit, bit, bit about my working life. My working life You say, hot cram. Come on, mate. You know, your working life, it's a cloistered sort of life, isn't it? When I mean, you're working with wonderful people like Sam and Sarah and Michael and Patricia. I mean, what a great team. I mean, there's no, no dirty stories there. <laughs> no language there and that's right there's not how close is that but you know what I'm at a big disadvantage in a lot of circles because I am a professional Christian and we all feel that on the ministry team because you know I've I've shared with some of you before like when I in those moments when I um, eventually have to disclose what I do and I mix fairly widely in some secular circles in those moments when you've got to disclose what you do eventually I try to sort of lead up to it you know what do you do Graham well I'm coming kind of in public relations. Actually, uh, they say, "Really? Well, what's it? A big company? Well, it's a pretty big organisation. Yeah, it's uh, worldwide. Uh, big boss. we well, yeah, it's a very big boss. Uh, it's uh, a lot of shareholders. You know, we kind of ease into it. You know, finally, to come. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a minister. Now, what often happens is, "Oh, wow, you're a minister. Oh, look." Look, I'm giving this up. I hardly ever touch these. And as for this, look, I'm really, I'm really working to give this up. Look, Mate, just relax. You know, just relax. Just be yourself, for goodness sake. You know? And then they think about, oh, what stories have I just told or what language have I just used? You know? So I'm at a bit of a advantage because people don't relax around ministers generally, right? <laughs> so let me tell you about a couple of times when I've worked for secular, so, secular uh, organisations. You see, I've worked for BP Australia. During my college days, I worked for a furniture company in Melbourne. They had a string of stores all across Melbourne, very prestige, high-end furniture. Great way to, to earn some extra money. I used to work Friday nights and an all day Saturday. And also, uh, they used to put me on during the holidays. I was a four-year full-time student. And that was a great way of helping to pay my fees through college. And during the 90s and into the early 2000s, I worked for somebody else. I worked for... Australia's largest speakers bureau it was called the Saxton Speakers Bureau I haven't got time to tell you how I got into that into that uh, whole field but at the time I was the only minister who was on the corporate speaking scene in any kind of regular way it was a great honor great privilege never missed a beat with ministry just by the grace of God did lots of interesting things but I was working for a secular organization and I was speaking for secular groups and it introduced me to a whole new world that I thoroughly enjoyed but it was a world where I could probably identify more with what some of you're experiencing let me tell you about a couple of instances one was where I spoke for an insurance company in the early days of my speaking career with Saxton Speakers Agency and I was debriefing with the state manager I remember that and a guy came up to me and I can only tell you how it happened he was pretty fired up he said I gotta have a word with you and I remember going sure i'm, I'm graham Aguil. as i recall i don't think he even extended his hand he said i got a word with you he said they introduced you as a minister right and that was one client who did i said well, yes he said you had those guys right there in the palm of your hand and i said oh so, so you enjoyed it <laughs> I thought it was a compliment <laughs> he said no, no 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 he said you did not share jesus christ and you had them right there i knew what i was going to say next was very important and i believe it came from god i said you know what I wasn't invited to share Jesus," he said. "What you mean you have got to be invited?" I said, "Well, if I'm a guest, I was asked to come and talk about teamwork. I was introduced to the minister. The sort of the message, the medium became the message. But I wasn't—I wasn't invited to talk about Jesus. You see, when you're in a work setting, we are, in a sense, working in the immediate sense under uh, under certain guidelines, and you've got to be very sensitive and very careful about how you share Jesus. Now, what?" happened was i built a bridge to that insurance company had a chance to speak in there in their conferences over a a number of years and several years later i conducted a wedding in a northern suburbs backyard in adelaide for a guy who worked for that insurance company who happened to be a mate of this guy who would hit me up on this particular occasion and that guy was there and we had a real good chat over over the barbecue that followed and i said mate are you getting the message i said i wouldn't be here sharing jesus Leading this guy in his marriage, having an opportunity to witness among so many people, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't run around, if I hadn't sort of just gently turned the light on instead of running around with a torch and shining in everybody's faces and driving him mad. Phil Kleine came back and said, Graham, you wouldn't be getting another booking if you crossed the line in that area in this sort of setting. He said, We've had guys do that. You know, he said, It just doesn't go down. You've got to think of other ways. By the grace of God, I thought of other ways. Let me tell you about something else that happened in the same sort of work. I was over in Port Lincoln once, and some of you have been around church for a while, you know this story, but many of you haven't heard this. And I was doing a, a, a trade, a, a, a kind of a, a, a series of, of talks for of the Housing Industry Association of South Australia, and this night was in Port Lincoln. And my, my topic was uh, customer service. I was able to talk on that because I'd been in customer service and I'd boned up on it, and it was one of my, in part of my, it was a talk called Who Cares Wins. Wow, I must bring that back sometime. It's great talk. Who Cares Wins. Um, it was very 90s, so don't, don't get too excited. Um, and this guy caught me at the, at the, the trade show afterwards. And he comes to me and he said, Hey, listen, my name's so and so, very warm. He said, I, I don't want to embarrass you, I don't want to kind of phase you or freak you out. He said, But you know what? You would make a great preacher. The Housing Industry Association chose not to introduce me as a minister. I had to be cool with that. I was just a Dow Carnegie instructor and member of the Saxon Speakers Bureau. This guy said, I don't want to, but you would make a great preacher. And I thought, I'm going to draw this guy out. I'm going to give him, we're going to see how he can, I'll I'll let him take this as far as he wants to. (laughs) I said, "Why, why do you say that? He said, well, look, my Jesus is all about, you know, do unto others. Care for people as you'd like them to care for you. He said, in my business, I've always tried to do that. I'm a plumber. I've always tried to operate on that basis. And and nothing what you said tonight cut across what I believe Jesus Christ would have me do in my business. So I don't want to freak you out, but you'd you make a great preacher. And uh, I said, well, you know what? I was about ready to receive Jesus. Actually, it was fantastic. Uh, I was about to pray the sinner's prayer. This guy was really coming on strong. So I pulled out a card. I said, well... Does that give you a clue? Gray Magnew, senior pastor. And he yelled at his wife, Ethel, he is a preacher. <laughs> she was excited, and they were both excited. We had, but you know, like, so guys, like, I mean, that's, I mean, the thing about that is you've got when the light is on, it's got to be consistent. It's no good turning a light on and off, on and off. That sort of doesn't illuminate a room. <laughs> People get frustrated when they see a lack of consistency. And nothing I ever said in the corporate speaking scene ever was in conflict with what I believe about Jesus Christ I made sure of that it was just affirming when people like him would would note that and and actually identify that here's the third story final story Um, as some of you know I'm a Dale Carnegie instructor so in that sense I'm working for a secular organization I'm working for Dale Carnegie I'm not there as Reverend Graham Agnew I'm just there as Graham Agnew who just happens to be a qualified Dale Carnegie instructor a couple of times a year I take young executives through an eight-week course in the city which is basically designed to improve one's ability to be a leader. And one of the tools we use to increase self-confidence is communication. Every night, each member of the group has to speak, and I coach them and make sure they kind of do a a half-reasonable job. Now, it's imperative that on the first night, I don't get up and say, by the way, I'm the Reverend Graham Agnew, and welcome you. Because unfortunately, in this country, there's enough hang-ups about the ministry. And I'm working under instructions on this point from the Carnegie organization there's enough hang-ups about ministry that that could really do the organization unfortunately a fair bit of damage because people have you know oh gosh you know and they think straight away about the minister who buried their mother and did a shocking job they think back if they're of catholic background perhaps you know about the priest who was uh, you know um inappropriate with them there's so many hang-ups so the first 20 minutes people are just working through the hang-ups while they get a handle on the fact that he's a preacher Talking with them in a secular training session that they 've paid big dollars for, so we do it subtly, and it usually comes with about session four halfway through the course. when the assignment for the night is to is to present or make a presentation that touches people 's emotions we 're starting to get into the real business end of the course and you 've got to select an emotion, select an incident from your life, one that will touch the audience at the emotional level. it might be pride, it might be. grief it might be joy it might be a full range of emotions and so they present these talks and during the briefing I say you know what tonight we have really got into the area that really is my business I'm dealing with emotions all the time I'm helping to move people in a certain direction through the appropriate use of emotions I'm a pastor and you see a few people what But it usually unlocks a whole range of conversations and never once in 25 years have I seen somebody nudge their partner and say, what, can you believe that? That guy's a freak. After what he said, after what he's done, after the kind of things he's been saying, it's never happened. Why? Because I won't let it happen. That's not how I see my role. I see my role as helping people to praise our Heavenly Father. Eventually, once it's a little bit, once you're able to share, once you've earned the right to share where you are really coming from guys the point is this sometimes you've just got to state where it's at sometimes it's just got to come naturally it's got to come appropriately sometimes you've got to nail it to the mast and you might be in a situation sometimes where you've got to say you know my beliefs won't allow me to go along with this i I I want to be honest with you my beliefs won't allow me to go along with this boss. I'm just we've got to talk about this. Or you might need to say, look, I've strong, I've got strong views on this kind of behavior. Or you might need to say, I'm aware the consequences could be dire. However, I can only say and do what I really feel in my heart. This is who I am. This is who I am and I, I really and, and I know I've known people who've walked away from roles and walked away from jobs when when the need to be as clear as that has become just that, that, that sharp. I, I, went to the, I went to the football on Friday night, saw the Swans defeat Carlton. That was your cue, Mel. You missed it? That's okay. Um, <laughs> and I was with a guy who said to me, he owns his own business, and he said to me, I couldn't believe God gave me this. I could have used other illustrations from further back, but this was Friday night. He said, Graham, I, I asked him how the business was going. He said, we're doing pretty tough. He said, we just have to keep trusting God. He said, I know we've lost business in the last 12 months because we're dealing with certain ethnic groups where the expectation is that you will look after them at the personal level if you want the contract. He said, I know some of my competitors will put 50 grand into the private accounts of some of the guys I'm dealing with. He said, I refuse to do that. I, ref- I will not do that. I've never done that. don't think it's right. And I won't dishonor Jesus Christ by doing that. Now, there's a guy in the same breath telling me he's doing it tough. Now, he's enjoyed a high degree of success because of his high principles and his high ethics. But he knows when to draw the line and say, this is me. I'm sorry. We don't do business like that. It takes courage, doesn't it? I get inspired by stories like that. Guys, in our witness in the workplace, in all areas of life, the light must never be hidden. What did Jesus say? You don't light a lamp and then throw a blanket over it. Or put a bowl over it there are times crunch times when the light must be visible and you might just have to tell it like it is and in my experience that doesn't mean instant dismissal it can mean modifications in the workplace uh, I, I this wasn't at a full corporate level but i had a, um, a great mate in in the bp office up in brisbane because i got transferred around the place along with my dad perth brisbane melbourne spent six years with that company and I had a mate who was a great guy. We used to get on really well. He sat next to me. His use, his use, of the Lord's name in profanity got to a point that I, I just couldn't weather it any longer. Like it was just so full on. You know, you meet people like that, where their use of the Lord's name is just so strong. And so, and one day we're out having coffee, and he used it. And I said, "Hey Ken, you know what? <laughs> you are talking about a friend of mine, mate. Can I? Can I, I don't want to, You're talking about a friend of mine." He said, oh, I know you're I said, well, I just, I just want to put it out there, mate. Okay? It kind of hurts a bit, you know. Now, I can't say that guy gloriously came to Jesus and you know, came to the next service, and I don't know what happened to Ken. But I do know that from that day on, in my presence, the guy didn't use the Lord's name again in vain. That was in my in my presence. I'm not saying he didn't do it, but out of respect for me. You, you can command all levels of respect, when you're prepared to just sometime, when push, say, look, this is me. I- I'm not comfortable with what's happening here. I have I- got to pull. You get a chance to discuss it this week in your group, because there's a question on that very point. Okay. You know what we don't witness at work? People say, Oh, I'm not so good at witnessing. We don't witness at work. D- don't ever think you don't witness at work, you are a witness. You are a witness. There's not something you work up to. You are a witness. Now you might be thinking, guys, haven't been a very good one. Well time to change and there's still scope to change and by the grace of god you can change that situation but we are a witness we don't wit- we are a witness the way we live and act matthew 5 is not the only passage regarding shining philippians chapter 2 verses 14 and 16 some of you know it so well Listen to this do everything without complaining or arguing says paul so that you may be innocent and pure as god's perfect children that's where the pressure comes to be perfect children we can unpack that it doesn't mean being perfect this side of heaven but who live, perfect children, who live in a world of corrupt and sinful people. You must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky as you offer them the message of life. I thought we'd just put it also up on the screen in the uh, in the message version, the Eugene Peterson version. Look at this. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air. Ever seen yourself at work as a breath of fresh air? Huh? Monday morning, you can be a breath of fresh air. In this squalid and polluted society, and sometimes, for all the good in the world, sometimes you do find situations in work, don't you, that represent squalor and and, and something other than human dignity and, and humans at their best. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. I really like that. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Our light must shine before people so that they will what? Say, gee, you're a good guy. I really like you. You are terrific. No, no, no. Let your light shine so that ultimately, in time, when appropriate, as you build the bridge, people will see the light and the love of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal. That's the aim. You know, I've worked for many organisations. Might have surprised you tonight, not just being a minister. I've worked in many, even up to recent times, even two months ago, I was working for a secular organization on a Wednesday night. So I I do know what that's like. I've worked for many organizations, but here's the thing. Here's how I see it. I've only ever worked for one boss. I've only ever worked for one boss, and that's Jesus Christ. So you can work for all kinds of organizations. And some of you are working for really tough organizations and you've got some real conflict and you've got a boss you'd love to... In your non-Christian moments, uh, in your non-redeemed moments, keep your eyes on the big boss and increasingly press into him to give you clues on how to change or at least work with the hostile environment in which you find yourself There is no greater privilege than letting the light of Christ's love and light shine in a world of darkness. I don't have any greater privilege. It called me to do it full time. It calls all of us to do it wherever we are in whatever circumstance. Some of you don't even know what this light is like. Some of you you haven't even turned the light on in your own life yet. You haven't even activated the power and the love of Jesus Christ. You get a chance to do that tonight. Step one. When we have our ministry time, we'd invite you to come up the back and pray with one of us. And all you'll need to say is, you know what, based on what was said tonight, what was sung and just the whole, I'd like to give my life to Christ. I've not read the Bible. Maybe it's my second, third time here, first time here. It doesn't matter. That's step one. And we'll keep you on the pathway. And that's what this church is all about, helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus and things have got a little bit, bit tardy, a bit slack at work, you've got a chance to raise the light high. Don't get up on the desk. Don't bring the biggest Bible you can to sort of like lay it all on the line. That may not work. I don't think it will. It's never worked for me. But start building bridges. Start listening. Start interacting with people and start finding out about what really makes them tick. And be available when their need comes. Which with that other friend was his wedding. And I could talk all night about the moments I've been involved where People have said, hey, Graham, I need to talk with you. I think you can.